Welcome to the Three Letter Acronym, a roundtable podcast about all the weird and awesome things happening in the Korean music industry. I'm your host, Louis O, DJ at K Sound on WNUR, Chicago's Korean music radio show. And with me are my co-hosts and commentators, Shayna Fuller. Hi, I'm Shayna. I run the Korean hip-hop blog, Soul Rebels. And Danny Huang. Hi, I'm Danny. I'm also a DJ and the producer of K-Sound. So for our ni- 19th episode, correct? Yep. Um, we are discussing for our A topic, something I've been wanting to kind of contemplate for a while, is the question of whether or not, like, if Korea can create its own, like, first of all, does it have its own distinct, like, musical, I won't say genre, because, like, what does genres even mean? But, mm-hmm. like, that's for the sake of, like, the term, let's say genre. Does, like, does Korea have its own genre? And I mean that in the sense of, like, the way America has, like, sort of created its own distinct forms of, like, like pop. through. <laughs> well, I would say more like, I mean, pop takes, I mean, that's, we'll get to this argument later, but, like. Yeah. But I'm, I mean more towards, like, blues. I would say even hip-hop. Mm. Whereas, like, in other places, I mean, like, some people might say, is this, like, a money thing? But, like, you know, reggae comes out of, it's like, people the Caribbean thing. as well. So, like, that's yeah. to yeah. be determined. But we'll, dis- we'll discuss that. But, like, is there, will there, can there be some sort of Korean style of popular music that become that becomes its own thing the way like reggae has become in a certain mm-hmm. sense uh, so that's our a topic discussion and our b topic discussion another thing we've i think hinted on some of our previous um discussions is discussing those uh peculiar interesting creative album packaging and album art that goes on i think particularly with you know the the big k-pop labels mm-hmm. rarely so i guess for indie labels because like one do that like, they don't have the money to do that stuff anyway we'll be getting into all the crazy crap that like smyg has done with their stuff um and of course the rest of the industry um that has the money to do it and of course we'll be closing out as always with their final and uh special segment of each of us going around and picking out a new release that we're excited about and something we'd like to share f- with you that you may have missed um or not have heard of before so um why don't we jump into our first discussion of the day first of all let's start with like is there a korean style of music um i know this is like tough to to package or like yeah so like what i mean to say is like some people treat k-pop as a genre right and are there are definitely tropes and there are definitely i mean depending on how you define genre like i don't really want to get into the terminology of things (laughs) gosh but you know, with genre theory, there is, you know, it's it's more defined by those. It, a exactly. Genre is almost, def- by definition, a collection of of continuing tropes. Yes. From that perspective, probably, because K-pop has very, I think, distinct yeah, tropes. Yeah, for sure. But at the end of the day, others will argue that nothing from K-pop is distinct or original whatsoever. And it is essentially slight repurposing of whatever seems to be popular mm. in in well, mostly American pop but I guess by extension these days pro- like and just by the virtue of like the internet and like increased globalism and culture whatever seems to be popular across the world especially with like EDM being you know such a fixture in like from Europe and stuff like that but you know basically white people music I think a hint to that question lies in Japan, how Japanese music went on um, in the 80s and 90s during the bubble economy is that you know, there was definitely a lot of interaction with the Japanese music scene 
And the Western music scene, because there was a lot of capital going into the industry, and what ended up happening was that Japan kind of appropriated white people music, especially and black people music. Yeah, and yes, black people music too. Um, a lot of definitely a lot of like um, soul and like um, you know elevator music uh, definitely. Mm-hmm. And then there was also a lot of rock going on, rock But, even jazz too. Yeah, a big presence in, in, of jazz really permeated, I think, in, in Japan as well. And while all of those genres or may have originated elsewhere. I, mean, I feel like Japanese people were able to kind of put their own spin into it um, as long as like a lot of capital and time went into it. And I feel like that's kind of happening now in Korea, except in the realm of electronic dance music, mm. where it's like, sure, I mean, this, there's definitely different genres within electronic dance music that did not originate in Korea at all. But the way that these genres are being repurposed to fit the standard of like oh these idol dancers must dance to this music and um, be able to sing it at the same time it has to be catchy in the sense that Korean public likes it you know this process changes those genres enough I feel like to make it qualify as a distinctively Korean style of music and I'm not even getting into like the indie music scene because that's also definitely happening there especially in terms of rock because um, sure. modern rock I feel like is it's a it's a very uniquely Korean Thing. Like there's a very uniquely Korean sound in rock that is not perhaps existent in the United States or even the UK. Um, before, like, like I think generally, I like I see your point. Mm-hmm. Um, although, like, I think to a certain extent, it's while there's definitely parallels with Japanese music, especially like from like the '60s to like maybe up to like the late '80s to '90s. Yeah. Um, I do think maybe the I think there's certain differences largely in part due to the internet in that like Japan just being such a major industry was big enough where people the music found its way to Japan so people could had exposure to American and British music mm-hmm. um but there was I think at that time just the just the analog nature of things also put them in a certain They were ex- that they were exposed to it, but also like also sheltered from it as That's well. Fair. Where mm-hmm. they can experiment with it without worrying at all about cultural appropriation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that allows them that being mixed with like what happening is happening in Korea is that there's no there's not a lot of hangups, cultural hangups about what is allowed or isn't allowed. Mm-hmm. So that lets you experiment and do things that might be inconceivable to like the originating location of a certain musical Mm -hmm. or artistic genre and that in isolation sort of festers like it's as if like it's almost like an organism like bringing it to a a foreign place it adapts and it like it retains those aspects but because it's a new or or, like location it it adapts to it so Mm -hmm. i think that definitely happened in Japan where like rock has its very different flavor in Japan. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm not as well versed in terms of like blues or like jazz in Japan, but I would say there are probably parallels. I think hip hop in Japan, while not as like distinct as maybe because it wasn't as popular as rock was in the 80s mm-hmm. or the 70s and 80s as it was in In Japan, like, because, I mean, there were, like, entire, like, Japan editions of, like, the Doors albums or, like, Japan releases of, like, Beatles albums and stuff. Mm. Like, it was that huge of a deal. And I'm sure that was a big... Yeah, but I think maybe for hip-hop, it was a little different. But, like, you can still notice that 
maybe like rap didn't turn into a huge thing, but I think it, it like maybe there's parallels with that with EDM in, in Korea right now. Mm-hmm. But you know, New Jabez or you know DJ like Okawari, they they, they developed that lo-fi um, jazz hop sound that I think re-influenced what happened in the States and, and probably and like, yeah. that era of like pop culture production of like and that spread in that I think with anime and other parts of Japanese culture kind of made its way oppositely back to the States mm-hmm. um, where a lot of like I listen to a lot of jazz hop these days and you mm-hmm. see all these like French guys like refer like d- taking a lot of lot of cues from Nujabes or mm-hmm. a lot of the similar jazz or bebop inspired works that were kind of shifted and oftentimes so for example there's a lot of like cowboy bebop the anime like influenced things across like europe or in the states where mm-hmm. they make music that oh, was yeah, of transferred that way so i think that maybe could happen with like edm and korea a little bit but like to to kind of get back to the main point of it i feel like for koreans it's a little different where you have this internet age where like you're no longer really in isolation mm-hmm where I'm sure still people don't really care that much if they're not meeting, like, people to tell them crap about, oh, you're appropriating. Like, Koreans don't really care about if they're appropriating <laughs> or not. They don't really care if they're, like... Time has shown, yeah. yes. <laughs> Those hang-ups about what's right or wrong, which can play well in certain ways and do- not play well in other yeah. cases. But at the same time, because of it's not really in an isolated, like, system anymore... Some might say, oh, like, oh, like, Koreans can't, like, come up with original crap. Or, like, it's a matter of, like, it's been so overexposed that, like, there's not really that isolation that lets it fester into its own thing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, I think there's, like, it's kind of, like, somewhere in between yeah, those I two things. Yeah, I think that's a, the, the lack of isolation is a, is a double-edged sword for sure. Because on the one hand, like you said, Lewis, it's going to be it might stop people from coming up with anything original or distinctively Korean. But then again, on the other hand... It could, I feel like, definitely foster a remix culture, um, to like to the max. Because mm-hmm. especially looking at hip hop, I don't think I've heard hip hop from any other country that's like sampling, um, you know, mu- like Japanese, you know, soul records or something. Uh. You know, that's not happening in the U.S. or <laughs> like the U.K. is all about like grind. You know, people are jumping on like new like drum machines and like this like acid bass and stuff and then there's you know people like benzino in korea who are like just mm. kind of sampling old records and in terms of i mean getting i, like, I did a lot of that with the yeah, shoebox album exactly too. so yeah i was gonna say i feel like i've heard a lot of i mean especially with tiger jk like, mm-hmm. i've heard a lot of korean old school more old quote-unquote old school korean hip-hop that samples kind of like 60s 70s like american you know soul music or whatever mm. and i'm always kind of shocked because i'm like oh like i don't even know what this music is <laughs> like, exactly. how do they yeah, know yeah, what yeah. this music <laughs> is you know i also yeah i mean it's interesting because artists like drake who are like widely popular i mean even he kind of caught heat or maybe he always has but i know last year i was hi- very aware of like kind of like him getting in trouble for I don't know. He's like on this kick where he just samples like kind of reggaeton, like mm-hmm. reggae beats. And then yeah. everyone's like, you're from Canada. <laughs> like, <laughs> What's your deal? You yeah. know? And I, I'm not sure if like, I believe one of his parents is Jamaican. I'm not sure on about that. Mm. But anyway, everyone was kind of like, all right, Drake, like you're just kind of writing this thing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, I mean, it happens here too, right? To some extent, mm-hmm. like all the time. And I'm, I'm just going to say like, 
as far as i mean you have definitely like i mean we've talked about this before but like wu-tang clan right like Mm -hmm. granted it's not very deep or like thoughtful like appropriation (laughs) but in hip-hop like thoughtful appropriation i mean you know what i mean but (laughs) like there's not really much effort put into it but i feel like there's plenty of hip-hop with like the whole like it it's always like a broad very general umbrella asian element it's not even like a specific country mm-hmm. i'm not saying an american rapper is like freaking like sampled like punsity like that's not ever gonna happen but mm-hmm. like as far as the general like you know what i'm saying like those sounds i guess yeah, like, yeah. people do that all the time but yeah Vague orientalism yes yeah. exactly that's the perfect term for it yeah so and i mean that's pretty much as far as it goes like I don't know about any other examples of like... Well, in terms of Korea, there have been also like conscious efforts to try to like localize certain genres like... And this just popped to my mind because we were just talking about reggae is um, there is a vibrant reggae scene in Korea um, with extremely talented musicians who are... Who identify with that genre because they kind of see the connection between reggae and Korean traditional folk music. And, like, they've also somehow, like, musically make that work. It's, like, very earthy and, like, using cr- traditional Korean instruments and stuff. So, if, as long as, you know, that kind of efforts are happening in terms of, like, we have this genre, we're not going to just copy it, we're going to make it Korean. And as long as that's, like, consciously happening, I feel like there, you know, even if there isn't much of a substantial thing right now, like, we're definitely headed in that direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I think... You know, kind of reflecting on the common criticism, though, like, oh, you're just pulling from everywhere. Mm. Um, and kind of looking back through history, it's almost like kind of difficult to see any, um, like, you know, like even from like the oldest form of pop music, I suppose, um, in terms of like modern pop music would be like Trot, which is mm. a Korean re-triggering of like Japanese Enka. Enka in Japan, which is a re-triggering of Foxtrot from the States. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds nothing really like Foxtrot anymore, but at the same time, it's still like an adaption. And I don't know if like, and, and it's developed its own tropes that are maybe a little different from Enka, but it's still strikingly similar to Enka. So it's a little tough to say whether it's like something Korean, while some people think it is, which is wrong. And then, because <laughs> um, there's not enough experimentation in that genre, to be totally honest, for it to have really, di- like it has its tropes that are maybe a little different from Enka, but I, I think, I mean, I'll, I'll be I'll be honest, I don't know enough to say this conclusively, but from what I can gather, I don't think it's... And it doesn't seem like the academic community really like has a great respect for Trot to to for me to presume that there is some great amount of like I mean not this is not to disparage Trot as a genre I think it has its value and like it's can be fun and and it has a deep meaning within our pop culture but like in Korean pop culture but I, like so if someone gives a criticism that like oh it's like from somewhere else I don't think really it's a distinct thing or Trot in Korea in itself like sure maybe it's different enough but like. Does anyone see it catching on where it becomes like a global phenomenon? At that point, like I would say, n- probably not. Yeah. Um, I do have an interesting connection to make in terms of trot, though, uh-huh. and this is—it surprised me that how it's actually kind of caught on in the in the underground electronic music scene, where producers are making the connection between trot and trap. Yeah. 
and it works. It works. It's fine. It's Tell like, me more. Tell so, me more. So there's this producer I've been following for a long time. His name is Johan Electric Bach. Oh, like, oh yes. And this that and like this kind of like explicit kitsch is like what he does. Is he he samples like trot trot music and like freaking like EXO, and then he like makes his own trap beat and makes it work. That's amazing. And <laughs> it used to be just him for a long time, and then 250 from Beast and Natives Alike mm. recently released. This song, it's called Spring. It samples some Ibaksa song. Okay. And he made it into a trap track. That's awesome. Okay. So, you know, like, this is a connection that I'd never expected anyone to make, like, beyond mm. just, like, some, you know, weirdos mm. in <laughs> small circles. Mm. But, you know, if someone from Beast and Natives alike caught on to this, I feel like this could be the beginning of something interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I think, yeah, that's that's something interesting to follow in that. And I think that sort of a devel- development would be awesome is maybe that maybe a possible counter argument towards because like where else would people be able to sample that kind of music unless it's like a Japanese version of like doing that but with Enka. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean like continuing on with this narrative of like, but yeah, that's I think that's cool and like pe- we should include a clip of that so that people can hear mm-hmm. but you know kind of moving on with that like after trot then there's like i mean of course like the, the a good 20 to 30 years was like actively stifled by the government so like i mean what could we do <laughs> yeah at that point <laughs> rock could barely become a thing because yeah. of the government um and ended up we ended up getting this very neutered version of folk although of course there was some great protest music um that still happened nonetheless that was very very veiled um, but it still borrowed a lot from what was popular at that point in the States. Um, uh, I think getting into the nineties after things were allowed to bloom, um, early K-pop, of course, like not even like, of course, other than the fact that they kind of really, really had kind of clung to that singer part, rapper part, <laughs> singer part, like, you know, that sort of yeah, basic yeah. structure with like a rap in the bridge and like vocals, whatever. Of course, you know, very much took crap from like. Uh, whatever was popular in the 90s in the states like half of K- like what was popular was pretty much just hey what's making money in the in the u.s like i mean there's a lot of songs i love from that era but like let's be like totally honest like was there anything really original came coming out at <laughs> sure. that point um i mean I, I like although a lot of sateji songs of course was a little more experimental and a little more um but you know that's almost like that's mm. that's you know that goes without saying that's like who, who the hell that guy was yeah 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 <laughs> um but outside of that argument. i mean let's you know like that and that folk ballad that was neutered became what we know as ballad and i do think to a certain extent it has developed so many tropes in and of itself and the fact that it's like a treated as a subgenre here in korea i think almost deserves some level of like scholarly like investigation yeah i think that qualifies as a korean genre that's ballads. what i was gonna say like if i think about something that's like distinctly korean it's ballads because if you like obviously if you go to Nodebang like karaoke right you can either sing American songs or you can sing K-pop or there's ballad which I feel like is just like a distinctly like Korean like style of music like Mm. because I feel like it's not super popular I feel like there's more mainstream ballad artists but I know like the ballad artists and my Korean friends who don't really listen to K-pop listen to like I've never heard of these people Mm. and most of them are like middle-aged people who come out on certain TV shows (laughs) you know what I'm saying so he was in the mid 90s (laughs) early 2000s and then like blew up mid 2000s for like three years and then kind of died again okay because like 
I came in on, I mean, the only really ballad artist that I can say I ever really listened to was K-Will. And, like, mm-hmm. I know he's not, like, like, I don't really know how respected he is in the genre. But, like, you know, he's the one that I, like, know of. And I think it ties into what we talked about um, a little bit, like, with Korean drama OSTs, mm-hmm. like, the soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of where you still will hear that, like, style of music that's in the, like, maybe forefront. But, yeah, I mean... I don't know what it is, but I i mean, I'm sure maybe there's like ballad music somewhere I, else. I guess I, the closest parallel we have here is country, which I don't really listen to. So I don't know how to speak on that. But Okay. My theories about ballad as a genre, and I was very, very much into ballads, I think, like in that heyday period of like maybe like 2004 to like 2009, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which was pretty much like. If you're wondering what that soundscape is, just listen to SG Wannabe. They practically define that era of like the pop like ballad. Yeah. Mm, um, yeah. But I think a lot of it draws from canto pop. Mm. From what I can, I don't know a lot about canto pop, but I know a lot of late '80s action movies influenced. I think that that genre in Korea. Mm. I think that mixed a little bit with the folk ballads, the rock folk ballads of the late '90s. And conjoined with canto pop because I know that style of music. A lot of it happens in in Hong Kong, and I think I, a lot we drew a lot from that in the '90s because I think we replicated a lot of what was going on in in like early, like late '80s, early '90s Hong Kong popular culture mm-hmm. and that point in time, especially with their action movies. I know for sure with like movies like Shitty, which is, is practically a Hong Kong action movie. Um, but a lot of that, like, I think really is reminiscent. Like, you can practically see Chang dong who briefly had a singing career, what? mirrors Jackie Chan's own, like... I mean, like, like <laughs> they, their narratives don't align, but, you know, like, I'm saying, like, that, that theme of, like, movie stars also having, like, a... If you look it up, I think it has a lot of parallels in terms of that era. But I think what started to change with Korean ballad is, like, uh, in, in addition to, like, that folk influences of the late 80s... It started to slowly, but sort of mixed like adoption of like soul music and then like popular R and B soul of the '90s. So there was a little more beats, whereas like whereas there used to be practic- like drums almost was like somewhere there, I guess, sort of a situation. <laughs> um, and definitely it developed tropes like I like st- fake strings is a big trope. Yeah. Um, you know, because like like you said, I think oftentimes it's it's very it's like emo music of like korea for a long time mm-hmm. where people get can get mopey and it's that's why it, it works so well with like dramas dramas yeah. and stuff um but i think the reason it's sort of dead now um kind of has to do with the fact that a lot like there was very little new things going on with the ballad genre one because its beat was so def- so con- like it's defined. a set structure it was structure was very restrictive yeah and it became very, very formulaic at the same time. And it became start to rely just on the sheer uniqueness or the skill of the whoever was singing. Mm. And even then, that didn't really guarantee a career because Kim Bumsu is probably one of the best singers in our country, in the in the goddamn country. But the guy still struggles to make hits on a consistent basis. And, uh, and that has to do with, like, songwriters, of course. Mm. Um but I think they really rung it out. Like, I think 
people like Song Shigyeong is kind of reflective of that ni- late 90s era of pop ballads. Mm-hmm. I think SG Wannabe and then their cohorts like M2M or like maybe even like in, like solo artists like KCM, even like uh, those types kind of took a little bit from soul with their more like wailing, like a little more deep like voice that what was called Tomori Changpop even. Yeah. Although KCM isn't like that, that that deep voice, but what I mean to say is it's drew a little more from soul. It drew a little more from R&B without really going full on. But I think they kind of hit like a creative rut in terms of what they were able to do. And that what and then what happened was that people who really banked on R&B, yeah. like Hisong or like uh, Gummy, I mean, of course, they, their their popularity was during that popularity mm. and not so much now. But I think that's where things kind of splintered off into two. It forked at, at some point, maybe six, seven years ago, into either folky pop ballads, which would be the type IU. of uh, yeah. IU does, yes. or straight up alt R&B neo soul. Okay. Defined yes. by like figures like Dean. Okay. And that's what I think, or Crush. Or Crush. Mostly Crush. Crush, Crush like embodies. Crush, who will be on, like, I think Dean is a little more, he's just pop, he's just popular indie, but I think he's still very much, in, and he's very much influenced by whatever's on SoundCloud right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> versus, I think, while, or vice while Crush, versa. Yeah, or while, vice versa. While Crush, yeah. if you check out his, like, secret, like, not so secret, but like the stuff he just keeps on his SoundCloud. He's of course engaging in that community that of course because he's in the same like crew as Dean and stuff and they're they're having fun with that, but then the stuff he will do for like for like Goblin for example is just straight up that ballad yeah, 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 yeah. or like emotional cues in a, in a in a film sort of situation. So, but I think so like that's where that's where the pop ballad has like kind of died and reformed itself. I was gonna right say now. prime example is Kanyang. Just the yeah, song yeah, yeah. that Crush did with Zion T. Mm. That is probably like the most recent, one of the most recent examples. Where that song is just straight up. Even the music video. <laughs> it's like <laughs> them walking around in the snow, you know? <laughs> it's like ballad to the max. I think so. The creative rut that Lewis was just talking about in terms of the ballads was the lack of funk. Because mm. uh, like a bit of that grooviness uh, kind of allows for more creative rhythms yeah within they the same no jo- exactly rhythms. and then the syncopated rhythms just like went straight into the alt rmb soul um stuff that crush and zion t especially is doing i think for a long time the a lot of the super well-known producers and songwriters that we've mentioned before mm-hmm. like cho young su is i think one of the one of the more noted ones for example who wrote a lot, a lot of songs for sg wannabe i feel like a lot of people in korea assume that you couldn't have a sad like song with syncopated rhythms yeah <laughs> and and so you ended up with the the this which is essentially the same range of beats for that entire genre mm-hmm. and yeah. you know for for if we stop for a moment and like get back to like the definitions of a genre like it was tropes galore like beat <laughs> not only the beats not only the themes but like we've discussed before on our music videos thing i think Music videos had tropes, tropes like a uh, mofo. <laughs> like it's like maybe what was that one music video we watched that was like cr- that you were like this is like the craziest thing ever. Someone loses their sight. Eyesight. Oh yes, oh, yeah. yes, yes, exactly. But yeah, I mean the the tendency to standardize things. I don't know. Maybe that's like a distinctively Korean thing too. It's like oh this works. Mm-hmm. We should all jump on this bandwagon and like this is all we're gonna do. You know, mm-hmm. 
that I guess a, a bit of that was also happening in terms of the music and the music videos and the themes even. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Now we're at a point where it's, it's like we're just sapping up a lot of what's out there and mm. I don't know, like when I when when I pose this question initially, if there can be or will there be like a distinctly Korean style of popular music or like and I, and I mean this like I think trot and ballad could be said it's very distinctly Korean, but like I'm wondering can anything with with the amount of attention that K-pop and Korean music the scene in general is getting, like can it have a moment of like exerting influence? And became become sort of a mainstay is kind of what I was wondering. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because well, like, because like J-pop kind of came and went a little bit. Although like maybe it it's has has its own resurgence just with like city pop like really yeah, exploring yeah. Danny. Um, and it's made its own impacts on hip hop. It's made its impact on like um, jazz and blues and whatnot. But now like I'm just wondering outside of that like can it become like some sort of like remaining fixture the way reggae has become like or you know because like reggae or even hip-hop continues to like while like in a in that larger umbrella it, it continues to morph and change within it as opposed to maybe like city pop where like the genre itself has kind of faded but it's like it's being drawn back i don't know if it'll have like some sort of resurgence the way disco has become because yeah some may never have expected like just seven eight years ago if disco would ever come back but it did um, and you know, with like new disco, new funk, even like, um, but yeah, I guess it's just like you know, it's it remains to be seen whether or not Korean music will continue to re- exert its influence for another in, in like ten years or something. But I'm wondering if we if if we'll be making our mark is I guess like w- are we making anything distinct that stays or like becomes its own thing that'll like even if it doesn't have to be the most popular thing ever it's like it's like a fixture almost like can it be removed from the sense of like k-pop like can it can we put something out there that just becomes another section of your spotify like thing i mean i think i feel like on some level that's already happening yeah k-pop like k-pop is very much established as like outside of your general american music a genre that you can be into uh, to the point where people can like build an identity around it what we needed happening for k-pop to become that kind of a fixture to become institutionalized is for people outside of korea to do k-pop as in like music and the style of k-pop and it still kind of lacks distinctiveness in that regard like Mm. if like what do we even call k-pop what's what defines k-pop is the sheer amount of capital that goes into the production of any music (laughs) um any single track um so not every country has the kind of capacity to do that but as long as so much money is going into the production of a, a cultural product even if it doesn't catch on globally right now as like a genre at the very least, I feel like it's going to be, I don't know, sampled by some other like musicians in the future or something. I feel like that's going to definitely be happening. And and I mean, yeah. And I mean, it's not like you haven't had people try, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> With EXP, yeah. right? Like, and everyone, rightly so, had a total fit. Like, all right, you have zero like Korean people in this group. Like, how is it K-pop? Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, I mean, aside from production value the biggest distinction obviously is that it's in korean yeah right and so i was gonna say we've talked about this with hip-hop but 
yeah, it's still hip hop and it's still borrowing from an, a quote unquote American style or African American style. But, um, you know, we've talked about rappers like Verbal Gent, even like Epic High Nuxo, that have used rhymes and rhyme structure that's specifically built around the Korean language, yeah. right? So there are ways that people rap where it's just like, you can, t- I can even tell. Like, I'm not like, I don't even understand all the lyrics, but I can tell when someone's kind of just like, uniquely using the way the korean language is structured to like build their rhymes versus not like yeah, it's, yeah. you can tell the difference and i think like unfortunately like what will keep that from happening in the future is just like people don't know korean <laughs> so there's yeah. always gonna be that barrier right mm. because unless people bother to like learn i mean yes there are lyric translations yes like that doesn't work perfectly for hip-hop yeah exactly for hip-hop especially it's difficult unless you have nice rappers like tablo who literally like upload like their lyrics in english with references but like most of the time you're not gonna get that (laughs) and so i think that's why like yeah you can't really get over that language barrier right i mean even with english i have the same question in my head because i know that like korean artists listen to english language music all the time and i'm like how much of this <laughs> is like registering to that? registering you know mm. but it like doesn't really matter at the end of the day i guess and so especially with hip-hop right because like korean rappers you literally listen to american hip-hop all the time and mm. i know that like most of the context is just going over their head <laughs> but they don't care you know especially with like trap music because i don't even know what they're saying in english <laughs> like it doesn't freaking matter <laughs> you know like future amigos those guys yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like at the end of the day like it's who cares beat, it's right? about the beat you know so i think with those genres especially with people like jay park like i would be curious to see if under um jay-z under rock nation like jay park will have any korean like lyrics yeah that will be fascinating yeah because i mean korean creeping into lyrics in america like yeji the producer is already doing that and like people love her apparently like i almost want to say it's still that kind of like orientalism going on where it's just kind of exoticism it's kind of mystified and like yeji kind of meant for that to happen when she was writing lyrics if you look at her interview she's like Mm. so i wrote certain lyrics in korean because either one i wanted to phonetically explore like the sound Mm -hmm. of that word or i just didn't want people i wanted to express how i don't want people to understand certain things that i'm feeling or saying Uh, and i did that in korean and she was like i didn't realize all these korean people would understand anyways (laughs) so in terms i don't know if that's somewhere we want to go in terms Mm. of like putting korean lyrics in there for the sake of exoticism but whether to the question of whether it can catch on like i think it definitely can and i mean someone who and i know like her american quote-unquote american music debut did not go well and not the way that she wanted it to but someone who did it without it being awkward or exoticized i think was cl like Mm -hmm. i was just listening to her song like hello bitches which is like i mean the lyrics obviously it's like not a super serious or deep (laughs) song but i feel like while most of the song is in english I think like the Korean in there is very intentional. Yeah. But it's not it's not it's not enough Korean for anyone to feel like I don't know what she's talking about. I can't un- enjoy this song cuz that's like not the point of the song. But I feel like she did it well where it was felt like a good balance and like she CL so it's like okay. Yeah, yeah it's just kind of like you're the ox or like you know you look at dumbfounded what he's doing exactly. on his latest stuff. Like it's it's it could still be cool to yeah, use Korean totally. in mm-hmm. your music. Yeah. I mean, like, speaking to that in terms of, like, language and other, like, formal aspects of, like, trying to understand, like, what counts as, like, K-pop, like, first, I kind of want to raise, like, 
the the you know like clear like uh, apparently some people treat it as like uh, uh, like some sort of form mm-hmm. because you see um i don't know if you guys remember but i think like early early this year there was this group of like all american like not all american but all american these like a bunch of white boys that <laughs> formed what well, okay, i group. just looked i just looked it up and it's exp or X- yeah, exp edition, yeah, yeah. XP edition. Yeah. um and <sighs> and then you also see i mean uh, although i think they've kind of like um i don't know they're still trying to like they've been trying to consolidate what exactly they're doing um i think they've said or not i don't mean exp right now but there was this uh duo um called coco avenue yes i was gonna mention that um and it seems to me that they're they have at least in their eyes identified a formal quality to k-pop and are exploring that exploring that genre and of course Mm -hmm. um i think it, we need we need to kind of examine this differently because I think when people observe it, how do they how do they take it? If we think about EXP, first of all, I think all the formal qualities are kind of there, but it seems odd to people, right? Everybody's like, "What the hell?" And first of all, it's probably one like it, the music was just not good yeah. enough in the yeah, first yeah, yeah, place yeah. was probably it's a problem. A they, all they thought was uh, was of the the tropes and the gimmicks and not about just treating that as a form and creating something out of it. Mm. But I think also people had a very visceral reaction to the visual tropes being attached to a, a culture that almost kind of like doesn't adopt it on a regular basis. So like, so that you know the K-pop boy bands tropes of like skinny jeans, skinny jeans, like, like that hair. aesthetic, the hair, the the eye, the makeup, and I think a lot of people were like, not only like aside from the music, they were like, this is weird when we're thinking of it in terms of white people like what is going on i don't know if this <laughs> registers i don't know if that's because of just like of preconceived notions hmm. that being you know partially Masculinity. mixed with the fact that it was just packaged it was just not that great product a uh, production quality in the first place like if it were a more talented group of dudes like would have what and with the more money behind it would have would people would they have been able to pull it off while still reflecting those k-pop tropes or like, is it like, or is it very, very tied to how people ide- like understand the genre from like a cultural standpoint, like from a almost mm. a racial standpoint? Like, does it only, is it so fixed to people? Like, because I'm sure, like we've just discussed this before, but there's definitely international K-pop. Part of it has the K-pop fandom internationally. There's definitely with anything, of course, but there's definitely some level of exoticism, some level of. You know, without, you know, and I say this carefully because it's a lot of teenage girls involved with this, but there's a little bit of latent, you know, no, sexualization I mean, going that's on, right? true. So, you know, reflecting in, on that sort of standpoint, is there some sort of like, oh, it's because it's not Asian boys anymore that this doesn't like work anymore? Um, I think that's like a question worth like kind of considering. Mm. Like, and... And I'm sure there's also certain things that we attribute to seeing two black women mm-hmm. doing music. Yeah. Do we automatically attribute expectations of that them need, needing to do some soul genres, music right. or some mm-hmm. sort of genre yeah, yeah, yeah. while they're trying to evoke certain tropes from K-pop or even a K-pop in, in interpretation of what is essentially what essentially took from black music in the first place. Mm. So, you know, like 
are they doing K-pop? Is this K-pop? Like, I don't really have an answer to this, but I think it's interesting to kind of consider. Like, what is even going... Like, they saw that they obviously kind of saw some sort of formal quality to K-pop and then decided to implement it. I don't, like... I can't say for sure if they were successful. I think EXP was not. <laughs> but... And what would, was going on here? I would also right? say... And this is going to sound... Whatever. I would also say that they're just different... I would almost argue that American standards of masculinity make it impossible to put in the level of commitment that one needs for like the true like visual and presentation quality. Mm. Like, sure, like One Direction and like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, like sure they were pretty, but like nowhere near X. There's just there's not the same level of commitment. Like dyeing your hair multiple times a year, like. Almost permanent, like, eye- guy liner, guy shadow when yeah. you're in the public eye. Like, literally, I saw a joke on Twitter, like, this week about, like, how everyone's waiting for G-Men to, like, release his own eyeshadow palette. <laughs> like, that's, like, how often he's seen wearing eyes. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I feel like you can try for, like, music video. But, I mean, the commitment to, like, the clean-shaven, like... I wear nice clothes. My hair is perfect. Like, I just feel like it, it doesn't translate. Like, I think, personally, there's very little that money can't solve. <laughs> sure. So that <laughs> as long as enough money is put into the production of these things, where the, the choreo, they kill it, you know? The music yeah. video, it's awesome. The song production is not, is not too shoddy. Then, you know, if, uh, I think people still are woke enough to be able to recognize like high production value when they see it i mean Mm. i feel like a large part of k-pop's popularity has to do with that is is in people recognize that oh shoot like this is a lot of money into this is cool right so as long as enough capital goes into it the the kind of the other aspects of like you know masculinity or makeup i think those could definitely be overcome yeah. That's my like two cents. I mean, when that happens, though, do you think people will see it as K-pop? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll just say, "Oh, this is this is what we've already been always been doing" or something. But I, <laughs> I mean, that it's not as if that hasn't happened in, in American pop culture before. But like, <laughs> I do think people like. While I certainly recognize some like formal qualities and some tropes to Korean like K-pop, like as especially like contained within that stereotype of K-pop, of course, mm. but like. At the same time, it's it's very fluid. It has changed constantly because it's true. nothing like it's what it used changing. to be in the '90s. At this point, other than like I guess that structure of having vocals, rap part, vocals. Yeah. Um, you know, outside of that structure, it is 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 as it has adopted and and reconfigured whatever is popular globally, essentially. Um, but yeah, I guess like you know, we're like yeah, like if if. What what does it what does K-pop look like in five years? And if if it becomes big enough in America to the point where like like you said, like like Columbia Records or like Atlantic Records or something, they're like, you know what, we need to make a K-pop. Group. <laughs> Honestly, or for all we know, they already have a a brew, of or, like a trainee system <laughs> implemented right now, probably with like uh, like they hired some Korean 
like label ex- like former label executive yeah. for all we know this is already happening right you now. heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> well, <you> know, <laughs> they're, yeah. they're hidden in some sort of basement somewhere right now mm. um in like waco or some something like <laughs> hidden from public view what the heck? i don't know <laughs> No, I think like Justin Bieber kind of came close to that in terms he of the aesthetic. Close. Yeah, because he, he was a great dancer too. But then here's the other thing. Well, maybe not. Or I would say even One Direction was like that brought together based on like auditions, sort of. And like, sure, they got close. And like I think parts of like people from In Sync, a lot of them also used to be part of like Disney's own like little kid that's true, that's growing true. thing. Disney got pretty close uh-huh. with kind of the music they put out, but yeah. Justin Bieber was almost there. Yeah. But then he just... Puberty hit him. His puberty hit him. <laughs> his voice got deeper. His public image slipped multiple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kids, go to school. Um, school's good for you. Just go to... Please go to school. You can, you can, you can do Stay what in you school, like, kids. but like, let's... Louiso, <laughs> 2017. <laughs> no, which is not to say don't do music, but like, let's like get like an education though and be... Um, yeah. Good... Just people. <laughs> Are we done? Is that <laughs> I mean, school doesn't make good note. people, but like, let's like <laughs> not be. Let's not be stupid people. Stupid people, though. <laughs> not to say that school guarantees that, but mm. you know. I mean, yeah, fair. On that note, um, <laughs> yeah, what should we? We'll probably return to this topic multiple times. There's a lot to be said. Definitely. There's a lot to be said. Uh, what should we play to uh, transition? Hmm. Do you want to find the, uh, the 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 trap trap trot? <laughs> oh, the two fifty yeah. track. Yeah, I could definitely put that Let's in there. Let's do it. Let's do I it. was also thinking like not like not to suggest right now, but I was also reminded of Chambinai when you had that oh. discussion earlier. Chambinai. I don't know and if like, it'll ever like and soul catch on. Yeah. To be totally honest, um, psychedelic rock. But yeah. yeah. But Chambinai definitely is not for everyone. Like. I, I I can't get into it. <laughs> it's like too out there. Yeah, for me too. Like I, <laughs> I I really appreciate what they do and the idea behind it, and I bet they like really think about it a lot in terms of like form and like they think about like like genre and like and a lot of thought goes into it. But I don't think. Yeah, I don't think they bear, I, it's hard for me to think that this is going to catch on anytime soon in Korea, even like in outside of the world. But I would like for people to do more experimenting like that, though. Speaking of experimenting, um, I don't know if you guys keep up with NPR Tiny Desk concerts, but there was this group by the name of Sing Sing with two S's. This is a, I think I've, it's yeah. a cross dressing Korean folk pop group. I heard of traditional this. folk. And they kick ass. This is like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, so it's so visually absurd, and yet like they they like own it. Mm. It's it's Korean like pansori kind of crossed with like folk, amazing amazing stuff. Wow. So yeah. maybe we could play something off of that. I would like to see pansori get like more ex- more modern exploration. I would like to see that happen. I mean, one of those tracks we'll play, um, the 250 or... Um, Let's go with something thing. that pe- the people can be a little more more absorbent of. <laughs> I think maybe John Sebastian Bach or 250 might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little okay. more palatable. We'll do that, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we'll listen to that real quick and then we'll be back in a moment. 
All right, so we'll jump into our beat topic discussion, which is for any of you that are familiar with K-pop or have ever bought like a K-pop album before, or probably know by now that they throw a lot of uh, Karen money <laughs> into it and yes. go a little, get a little creative with their packaging. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what exactly who the first person was to do this. I mean, I'm sure with there has been you know more like deluxe packaging with like interesting like items in it before in other places but you know you for those of you who have ever bought like any first of all practically any album from yg at this point yes um after like maybe like big bangs like second maybe album like everything after that is essentially like these crazy plastic like contraptions that aren't really like so it's not like that plastic like the typical CD packaging, anything outside of that. So sometimes it'll be a booklet. Maybe it's like a box. Yeah. Maybe it's a plastic box. Maybe Holographic, it's a cardboard box. Like maybe cover. Oh, yes. Maybe there's like special art in it. There's cards in it. Like some now it's like often book shaped now. Like it's it's, it's a wide variety. So we'll we'll jump into that. Um, like to for those of you who don't know, so like I kind of said, essentially, you know, K-pop. Um, as opposed to like Korea can be sometimes be a little quick to adapt to things. Mm-hmm. And I guess to a certain extent, I think the idea at least behind it was sort of smart. Although not everybody really understands why p- people bother to do this and just kind of go for the low buck. But um, so people realize, I mean, and, and Korea pirating hit quick. Mm. People were pirating the crap out of stuff. Everything. Or like, you know, <laughs> textbooks in America, movies, Napster was like, uh, like it, hit, it surprised the crap out of people. Nobody know what to do. It's a huge, like social issue. But in Korea, like people, it was so rampant and so like part of integrated into the culture of things. I mean, you have to realize that like for Korea, just in the eighties, like our entire like industry like everything, the Korea's money right now was built entirely off of copying and faking it till you make it. <laughs> Hyun, like Hyundai gets crap and Samsung used to get crap because they used to pull this shit by copying Sony Japanese, and copying yeah. oh. Japanese cars all the time. Mm-hmm. So, and it's only been 10, 20, now th- like barely 30 years since that's happened. So you still have those same people who are still alive and expect things to just like Be get free. to like take shit. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the context of why nobody <laughs> cared enough and like the businesses didn't even really try to like like litigate on any of this. Mm. So nobody so they adapted quickly. I mean it hit indie artists a little tough, but you know they got they ran on like live shows whatever. But things changed really rapidly with so they knew digital, you know, they figured that out fairly a little more quickly. I mean it's a small industry so maybe that's the case, but mm. and maybe because huge Media companies, whether it's like telecoms or whatever, have monopolies far more than in, in the case in, in the States. But, you know, besides all of that context, what have essentially happened is executives realize that they can't just sell CDs anymore because, one, people don't listen beyond the, title the hot title track. So sad. Or <laughs> Still anymore. the case. Mm-hmm. So a lot of innovations happened out of it. First of all, they started off with the mini album. Mm. The e- or, or like a repurposing of what essentially used to be the EP, um, which has it had its own its own intentions, but it came like a business thing where people were like, you know what, let's just like we're not gonna why put twelve songs on a CD when you can break that up into three and sell a title track 
three times over the course of a year, right? <laughs> so that became a business model. Oh, yeah. Or 12 singles. Oh, my well, gosh. Well, it's become <laughs> rampant at this point where, yeah. like, it's like seasons of a TV show practically at this point. Mm. <laughs> where they take a couple, like, weeks off and they come back with something new. Or they do what Big Bang did for a year. Repackage. Album, Repackage. Which was, and you, yeah. oh, of course, they'll do repackaging with oh, two yeah. extra songs. So now you got to buy it. But, like, <laughs> other than that, like, they'll have yes. four successive. So seasonally, they'll put out, like, a e like a mini album yeah, every yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. quarter and every then quarter. end up the year with a full album so you're buying five CDs at the end of, of the year of course but aside from that that eventually changed people realize like you can't people aren't gonna buy that do that anymore like aren't gonna buy anymore cause you can buy all those four songs on the internet or you can <laughs> you rip it off somewhere so what do you do? You make collectibles. Of course. Merchandising. You make really fancy, beautiful, flashy. Like, I don't even want to open it. I just want to put it on my bookshelf or slash in my display case. Yeah. Album packaging. And that's why people buy albums, of course. You know? Honestly. <laughs> Which and is it's like... it's so much yeah. easier to package in a poster now, too. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, one of the first... Yeah, not one of the first. The first... Um, Taeyang album I owned like one of my friends brought it back for me I believe freshman year but it was his Solar International album mm. and it's like I think I thought it was really unique because it's kind of this like cardboard which sounds really tacky but it's not it's like the most beautiful version of like cardboard <laughs> that you can imagine <laughs> but it's like this circular like cover which makes sense right because it's solar Taeyang yeah, yeah, yeah. the sun like mm. keep in keeping with that theme mm. you know but um it's holographic, right? So you like there's Taeyang's like profile on the front and you like move it and it's like shiny and like mm. and then you <laughs> open it and then I still remember it came with the C D yeah. and a DVD with oh. concert clips mm. and like behind the scenes. And here's the kicker when you're an international fan. It's like, well, shoot, like this disc is coded for freaking Korea. Oh, so how wow. do I play it? Which is how I discovered VLC media <laughs> player. <laughs> Downloaded that on my laptop. Who cares I about viruses? I totally <laughs> forgot that was a consideration. Oh, yeah. Oh, shoot. No, there's ways to get around it, obviously. But, like, honestly, like, at that point is when I realized, like, why would I ever, like, pay money for an American CD ever again <laughs> <laughs> when I can, like, get this book with, like, all these pretty photos of Taeyang and, like, a DVD, like... Yo, the DVD is a killer, though. Yeah. That's I would, I would go for a DVD yes. on, like, mm. any day. But, yeah, I mean, like... It went straight up collector's item. It's not you can barely fit it on your like shelf anymore in some cases. Like sometimes people <laughs> will make huge like special edition like comes with a calendar and a poster and trading cards yeah, and like of course. It went it went crazy and of course like the worst manipulative bull crap that they <laughs> pulled was like putting in like individual photo cards different where you collect them all I mean hey I like I think I already confessed to this if but I fell for that with BTS's most <laughs> recent album my friends and I were like I was strategizing I'm yeah. like okay I don't need to buy four versions <laughs> of this album but I'll buy one for me and one for my little sister and my friend will buy one yeah. <laughs> and then we will trade you know like if necessary yeah. I mean back in the day like I'm sure they kind of did this with like even like HOT to a certain extent yeah although not probably in their albums themselves but that that's when most groups were like at most six what do you like they imagine the 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 <laughs> big fan of super junior and girl 17. generation 17 yeah shelling out <laughs> cash their hard-earned money 
<laughs> not even earned by them. It's their parents toiling for Which hours. Which is why it works. Oh, it's man. Fine. And it's now that you mention HOT, like merchandising was still going on in that first like generation of oh, idols, yeah. except it was more it's like bookmarks and like like folder <laughs> clear file folders where it was like sort of outsourced and licensed where yeah, like yeah, yeah. people bought the rights from sm and they made they had like an entire like it was called i think that's where the word like bromides came from oh yeah yeah, yeah. essentially where they it would just oh. be a, a a book of posters that you can like rip out and like oh, yeah. post on your yeah, wall yeah, yeah. but that was a big thing but like that has essentially kind of really concentrated itself on the album because yeah. what, what other reason is there for people to buy the actual cd of course it, people want to support their their fans or their fandoms or whatever but you know i mean this is and, and this is the case not only for like straight up like k-pop anymore too because like even you know epic high pulled i mean because they're in yg of course but they pulled that that stuff i mean of course it trickled out to other like indie artists sometimes as well because epic high was doing that like when they're completely independent in map the yeah, soul yeah, too yeah. they had like but that's because tabo's a weirdo and he likes being artsy um <laughs> but like you know, it's 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 made itself out in other areas for a while. I think with like the double disc album for a while, mm. I, and that also, of course, influences this like almost booklet type shape that I think even like Drunken Tiger's eighth album did. I think, yeah. Um, and um, but like at least that it retained like the size, right? But then you eventually get these like you know plastic boxes with like oh it's just like out well of i was gonna say i mean the best example of really like out of control was g dragon's heartbreaker album oh, yeah, with where the white mask with the with white the... like 3d face coming out yeah and then like fans just kind of went to town like modifying it yeah <laughs> like that got out of hand um i was gonna say you were mentioning the booklet like exo's growl album was basically like your book style mm. so it was like almost like a book that you can have on your shelf um, um, I'm just waiting for vinyl to happen. Well, you know, someone has, has someone. I don't remember what girl group it was, but I was looking at a list on the internet today, and someone <laughs> did. Who would even? I'm not sure, but I was gonna say even better than vinyl, in my personal opinion, as a '90s kid, Shiny's last very '90s influence one of one album. They literally released a working cassette tape <laughs> with the That's songs. just SM that... being hipster. <laughs> I mean, LPs. Yeah. Some, especially the successful like artist types that know they have like a LP, like a following that will shell out the money. Pablo has released the Tablo, Yorko yeah. vinyl recently. Um, oh. I think uh, Brown Eyed Soul mm. also released yeah, all, like a limited people. LP um, edition of all their albums. They also had like a cassette version of one of their albums, I think, as well. Um, so it's not just K-pop that's putting putting in the extra like effort to like create like you know additional like ways to buy it, but I think for maybe I think LPs like that's sort of a thing now across the board across the like like globally at this point. Mm-hmm. But I think no nobody else puts this much effort into creating. Of course not. It's probably not even really. It's probably not cheap to make it too because not really like yeah yeah. It's not you can't just put it through like. You know, I, it's like a handcrafted, but like let, it's you can't send it to the regular CD store. That it's not super these. super mass produced. Yeah, mm. like some of these are limited edition. Like I don't think they make like that many co- like millions of copies of these. Like mm. they're meant to be. Some of these are meant to be like we only made so many. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I think it honestly just reflects and like the uniqueness of the Korean fan base, and like it only works in Korea because like 
yeah, you're literally just like collecting. Yeah. Like they're meant to be collectibles. And I mean, like I feel like on some level that happened here back when people actually played vinyls, like yeah. you wanted the real thing. You know, I don't know that those came with posters per se, but like the most that ever came with any I feel like American music CD was like a poster. Mm. But like not you don't yeah. get the photo book and photo cards and I mean, I get the collectible mentality to a certain extent, and like, cause I, I on a, like not as much as I used to before, but I still on occasion buy CDs, mostly because like, I'm still like, I, I still like to have music, even if it's like the MP3 files. Sure. Yeah. Um, although like you know, it's gradually gr- increasingly more st- streamed, and I'll like keep what like I really like. And just can you believe hold on we're to? at that point? By the way, like having an MP3 file on your computer yeah, is it's like considered. It's old. considered like yo. People will think it's weird that I still buy CDs. <laughs> yeah, and this is even to the point where like I'll buy like an album on Amazon, but then Amazon will give you immediately the MP3 before the CD even gets there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So sometimes I'll have the CD and never open the packaging for a while because <laughs> you don't need to. Because I don't need to. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I still like the idea of, like, supporting the artist to a yeah, certain yeah, extent. That's kind of why. No, exactly. I could just totally buy the music on Apple Music for sure. It's but, like, a, it feels if it's different. only, like, an additional dollar to own the physical thing. Why not? Just There has it. been cases where, like, I lost crap. Like, And, of course, like, some people invest in, like, the cloud. And, of course, you can listen to it on stream for the most part. Sure, but, sure. like, it would drive me kind of, like, nuts if I, like, lost my music library. Mm. <laughs> and I don't trust Spotify that to last to in, the f- like, forever. Like, at yeah. some point, they're going to collapse or there's going to be a new service. And, sure, the new service might have everything. But, like, as you can tell, like, if... If Taylor Swift can decide that she doesn't want to put anything on Spotify... What? Anyone can pull their music. Yeah, and I don't yeah. want to subscribe to three different services, no matter how, like, affordable it is. And most importantly, being a fan of, like, Korean music, you can't really expect all of that to be on American yeah. music streaming True. services. Like, so. Spotify's upped their game in recent years, yeah. but still, there's not yeah. everything on there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, like, yeah, but, like... I think the the last point I want to make is that, like, I'm hoping, like, I think the idea on a marketing standpoint, this is smart, but I think it's kind of gone awry to the point where, like, it's sad when you go to, like, Aladdin, which is, like, a used, like, bookstore that's, like, a big franchise in Korea. There's, like, a CD section. Of course, there's, like, CDs, like, of old, and, like, that happens with, like, LPs and any, any form of, like, merchandise and also with, like, music in terms of, like, CDs or LPs, but... I mean, wherever is this going to be used? I'm thinking when they have the, they have to have a se- separate shelf for all these like K-pop albums that were like not really well made in the first place, but they're just like these collectible collectibles. They're like these items without like, I don't know what they're serving anymore. Cause like, so like what I mean to say is like, I wish, I think SM kind of does this with some of their albums. YG kind of does it too, especially when they like hire like really great artists on their stuff. Where at least maybe there's some level of appreciation beyond like it just being a fan item. So like I'm hoping like some people and I and I like the story about like people having fun with like this the white mask on GD's album. If that somehow like if there's like a thousand left in a warehouse some somewhere and like <laughs> 20 years later some you know artist decides to like buy all of those in bulk for like a hundred bucks and like do like an art series on it, that would be pretty amazing. But like I just I just I'm just hoping that they like they make they kind of they kind of like put a little more care and concern into this so that like people can hold like even if they don't really like love these artists forever like let's like at least keep something like make something that like people can kind of like 
you know reminisce about yeah hold on to so like I'm, I'm just saying like it's i'm i'm i think it'd be ideal if it were merchandise that could have some extended value it's like it's like you know your dad's vinyl collection or something yeah you know? or it's even just... like like figures and stuff like like, like lego figures or like, whatever, yeah. legos or whatever you know something like it could be a decorative piece like instead of being some sort of like you know, because, like, some of these are such throwaways, you know? Mm. So, like, you know, just please, if you're going to do it, like, put in the effort is all I'm asking. <laughs> yes. Anyway, that's, like, my two cents. Anything else from you guys? Well, I was going to say really fast, um, there is a culture, too, now of YouTube, of course, of unboxing videos. Oh, yeah. So, you oh. you, you, <laughs> oh, you yes. get the American. <laughs> maybe it happens in Korea, too. I'm sure it happens in Korea. But what I've seen is international fans who literally have to wait probably a month mm. for their album to get to America from Korea. And then they upload a video of themselves slowly opening it. Wow. And people watch it. And they get No, views. that's like beyond K-pop. That's yeah, like fun. everything. Sure. That is everything. But like it's in on another level mm. <laughs> with K-pop. Mixing the weird, like it's like the convergence of like the weird techie people. <laughs> and then the weird K-pop people. Yeah, yeah, it's it's its own thing. Wow. Bringing out Anyhow. their exacto knives, <laughs> carefully undoing the plastic <laughs> packaging, slowly removing with oh latex boy. gloves so that they can resell it on the market or something. I don't know. No, what? you know what? I I meant to mention this. Th- so this is a nice transition into social media. Uh-huh. Um, one of the Dre J R E, uh, who's one of the famous YouTube reaction yeah. K-pop people. Yeah. <laughs> He tweeted his video of him unboxing the we did some we've done something wonderful mm-hmm. epic high album uh-huh. tableau quoted it and reposted it on twitter and said this guy makes me want to buy my own album <laughs> 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 and it was fantastic <laughs> i was like yes <laughs> yeah hilarious so there you go Lol. anyway so yeah i mean that was a nice transition to <laughs> Yes. Moving back, moving moving right into that. I think this is going to be my favorite recurring segment. (laughs) I here's the thing. I was telling Danny earlier, like I was a little bit worried about us making it a recurring thing because I was like, what if I run (laughs) on material jokes? (laughs) That's never gonna happen. All right. So Fast and Furious. I have a lot today. Um, at the top of my personal list, uh, Minho and Melania Trump. So I actually saw this one. This This is hilarious. So so. I was actually thinking, oh, it can't be Melania Trump. Like oh, I was looking at her album, and I was like, who would it be, Louis? Melania, who who? <laughs> All right, it can't be Melania Trump. Who are so we let me about? tell you what happened. Um, Melania Trump was in Korea uh-huh. for some type of like diplomatic slash like promotional like two day, part of, two day part of event the for the Olympics. Asia. Yeah, no, oh, like separate from like. Donald Trump's tour. No, I think Asia? it's the same. I mean, she was thing. like in Korea, but while he was meeting with the oh, president, okay, okay. which is not as fun, she got to hang out with Minho from Shiny because he's like the cultural ambassador yeah, yeah, yeah. who oh. was meant to like go around with her and stuff. Oh, and weird. yeah, so they <laughs> they are visiting these like groups of like middle school golf children. I don't know. And um, <laughs> there's like this press conference thing happening. So there's all these photographers videoing and there are these like middle school girls and they're like freaking out because like i don't know melania trump is there but then <laughs> wait, wait wait Mina was there. there's no. this one clip so so there's a, this is one specific clip mm. of this girl talking to her classmate and she's like tapping her furiously and like freaking out and the classmate at first thinks she's freaking out over melania and the girl's like no 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 like behind you and she turns around and sees minho and like oh, dies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so no the yes. best part like i literally saw this on my timeline like multiple times uh-huh. when this blew up last week and uh the best thing is bbc asia uh-huh. picked it up <laughs> <laughs> and they're 
ta- their, their, the title is When a K-pop Superstar Stole the Spotlight from U.S. First Lady Melania <laughs> Trump. <laughs> and in another article, <laughs> Lewis is watching it right now. In another article, <laughs> it's the best thing ever. Also, also, what also blew up from this, I don't know uh. if you caught in the video, there's like a little arm touch that happens there between Melania and Minho. And uh. then like, there's another photo that's been widely shared of Melania sitting next to Minho and like beaming. And so everyone's like, of course she's happier sitting next to the real president. <laughs> like, okay. like, she doesn't need Trump, like, sh- shipping her with Minho. It was, and then people being like, Minho doesn't deserve that. Anyway, moving mm. on. Um, that that's, was great. That's funny. I would like to see Donald Trump tweet about Mino and <laughs> yo yo you know what that would be amazing if he like because like I don't know if the, like if the internet gave her so much crap to the point where Donald Trump felt compelled to like say oh, something about it on attacked. Twitter and then now of course the K-pop people will be furious oh, and then you'll be, have this honestly, weird I war would, on the internet honestly the, guys guys 2017 <laughs> would not be complete oh, without man. a Twitter war between K-stands K-pop stands <laughs> And Donald Trump. I, I, oh, I want to see that I would happen. live for that. Oh, my God. That would be so awesome. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, BTS reached 10 million followers on Twitter, I think, as of yesterday. And that's the most followers of any K-pop group ever. So, congrats to them. And they only had 5 million in February. Wow. So wow. It's wild. What happened? It's wild. <laughs> the well, the BBMAs happened. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't win top social media artists Do and the AMAs not continue yet? to grow. AMAs are this coming so. Sunday oh, night. Okay. So anyway, congrats to them and fans, of course, because fans keep track of this kind of stuff. Apparently, a long time ago, when they didn't think two million followers was possible, mm. J Hope said he would show his abs if they reached two million followers. And there so, literally, go. fangirls have dug this up, and they're like, "Hey, remember when you said this? <laughs> <Gotta> <laughs> when is this gonna happen?" <laughs> I don't know if he will, but that's a thing. Um, moving on, this is probably also one of my favorite things. So, Jackson Wang was at the MTV European Music Awards. Um, Don't know why, but he was kind of like the representative for China, right? And so (laughs) he uh, was kind of positioned right next to Liam Payne, who was formerly in One Direction. Yeah. And uh, what was became trending was like everyone was asking like, who's the hot Asian guy next to Liam Payne? So like Liam Payne (laughs) got completely eclipsed and ignored because all these girls were like, who's the hot Asian guy? So then like it was a joke when uh, BTS was in America because Mm. people didn't know who Jin was, who's like the oldest member of the group. They started referring to him as like the third one from the left. <laughs> so then everyone jokes and calls Jin the third one from the left. So then so this one tweet I found from uh, this person whose handle is uh, AHGA broke. But it's like, if BTS Kim Suk Jin is the third one from the left at the BBMAs, then God Seven's Jackson Wing is now the hot Asian guy next to Liam Payne <laughs> at the MTV EMAs. Also at the MTV EMAs, Jackson Wayne got to meet uh, Big Shaq, which if you've been on the internet at all, you know who Big Shaq is from the famous uh, grime song, <laughs> Man's Not Hot. And so apparently this guy like put Jackson Wing on his Snapchat story and like Jackson told him he was like, I'm your biggest fan like from China. <laughs> like honestly, 2017 can't get any weirder because that guy is basically like a meme uh-huh. and then he meets like Jackson Wing from incredible uh, that's really all i have to say about that um moving on uh, let's see what else happened this week um so bts is going to be on the amas on sunday but then it was also announced that they'll be on ellen mm. and that they're going to be on jimmy kimmel mm. so jimmy kimmel they're having an outdoor concert performance as well as recording live 
on the show. Mm-hmm. And then I just saw a little while ago that they're going to be on the Late Late Show with James Corden. Okay. Tomorrow. Doing, are they doing Are they karaoke? singing? Or I don't know if they're doing carpool karaoke. karaoke. That, that would be, be amazing. That would be very interesting. <laughs> All them fit into this one car. <laughs> a minivan. I can do it. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be on carpool karaoke, but I know that they're going to do a live performance. Because um, he sings to most of the songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Imagine I, him doing like sing Boomer in the... <laughs> Yeah. I was going to read the lyrics trying to find <laughs> out. But I was going to say, in light of them starting their U.S. promotion cycle this week, there's been lots of jokes about how now the tables have turned. So normally, mm. they're always in Korea, and we need English translations. But mm. now, since they're going to be in America all week, apparently, like, the K-armies are, like, asking for like korean translations <laughs> because they're not gonna oh. like know what's going on and so everyone's like oh how the turntables so the best thing is like there's this meme and i'm just gonna show you guys but um k army's created this meme and they're like <laughs> idk what you're saying but i still love you bts yeah. and like they're gonna use this the entire time <laughs> that bts is in the u.s so it's just funny because like this never happens and uh-huh. now it's like whoa yeah you know? and i'm sure like they will speak <laughs> korean and ratmon will translate but yeah or rm so, sorry using his new stage name last but not least um <laughs> actually next to last but not least there were two kind of like truth bombs that I really related to on Twitter this week as a K-pop fan. Um, <laughs> I've whined about this a lot before, but I really appreciated this tweet from Melon and Hobie. And it says, you stand a group that does K-pop. What does the K stand for? Korean. What language do they sing in? Korean. What language do they speak? Korean. Where are they from? Korea. <laughs> She's like, stop forcing them to speak English on their V lives. When you stand them, you knew this already. So stop it. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. Like, <laughs> this is me all the time when people are literally whining, like, we need subs. And I'm just like, oh my freaking gosh, just like, calm down. Like, either be patient or learn the language. <sighs> okay, anyway. <laughs> Another one that I personally identified with from uh, Twitter user Denny Beans. She <laughs> says... <laughs> Still so bitter about the sunrise in K-pop and K-drama stands the past couple years. Because y'all, B-words, ridiculed me in high school for fangirling Super Junior, and now you're doing finger hearts in your selfies. 16,000 retweets. So clearly people identify with that. <laughs> Cinnamon. Um, mm. I think one of the most interesting phenomenons, and this is the last thing. So last week, Jungkook from BTS uploaded kind of like a video log he made of him and Jimin mm. in Tokyo. So they went to... <laughs> They went to Disney World together. And, like, I'm not going to lie, like, from an American Western perspective that, like, has, like I said, different concepts of masculinity or, like, what is okay for bros to do together, hanging out, like, this does look very couple-y, right? And, of course, like, the fangirls, you write fanfics are like, yes, like, our ship is sailing, like, whatever. So then, not only does jungkook like filmed this entire video of just featuring jimin in tokyo and him like laughing and smiling and having fun but he uses a troy sivan song right and so then literally like the best thing ever is that you have people who know nothing about bts or k-pop in the youtube comments like oh my gosh like i want to go on a trip with my boyfriend too (laughs) or like straight up comments where someone was like wow like this gave me the courage to like come out to my parents like it makes me so happy that they look happy together Meanwhile, all the K-pop fans are like, lol, like, they have no idea (laughs) that these are just, like, two guys in a K-pop group that went on a trip. It's fantastic. I have no idea. So, like, I was joking about it with my friends, and they were like, man, like, unbeknownst to them, like, BTS, LGBT icons, like, it's fantastic. I just thought that was so funny. Like, 
not, people think it's just this random video on YouTube that like this couple decided to upload and I'm just like, nope. wow, the internet, man. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, hilarious. Um. My favorite segment. <laughs> this is now my favorite segment. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I got this week. <clears throat> all right, let's go into our, our final corner. Um, each of us will be going around and picking out a new release and, and a relatively old one um, for you. Um, Danny, as always, start us off. All right, so my In Case You Missed It pick is something from Dear Cloud. Um, the name of the song is Kyoge Hutojida, or Mars Descent, um, from their third full-length album, Bright Lights. It was released in 2011. It's their last full-length album, but they will be releasing their fourth full-length a- album next Monday. Um, so I just wanted to you know, give them a shout-out for, and you know, really thank them for you know, continuing to just make music. I, I am in love with this band. Um, I will definitely try to get tickets for their uh, Christmas slash year to the end um, concert. But yeah, definitely t- um, do check out this song. And my hot new release is something by the band Achim, uh, spelled A-C-H-I-M-E. The name of the song is Sunbakokjiro Hide and Seek. So Achim is a band that disbanded actually in 2014. Um, with like their uh, solo concert in like March and then this they released a song like all of a sudden like a couple days ago so this came as a very nice surprise um, and you know, even they don't even know whether they're gonna be making new music but like it's this is very folksy um, but it, you know actually being a rock band definitely put their own spin on it so definitely do check it out great um, my in case you missed it for the week is... Um, Disang, um, which is sad to say, are uh, seem to be no longer a thing anymore. Sad, sad. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, you'll likely know at least one of their members fairly well from the super popular um, Running Man TV show. Um, Gary was a rapper of the group, or it was a duo, um, and the other. Um, was Kier, who you may have seen either on the last, se- the four- the previous season of Show Me the Money, um, and before that um, for quite a while on Infinite Challenge. So those of you who are more like are more, um, I don't know, conversant on Korean uh, variety shows may have seen them around before, but may be surprised to know that these people are actually fantastic musicians. Um, and this is. And the song I want to pick out for you is one of my favorite albums from them, Azura Pabarta. Um, and the my favorite song from this album is Hwesang, or I think like, but it's called Hwesang, and I guess like re, re, Reminiscence. Reminiscence. Yeah, that's probably the yeah. best word. Yeah, Reminiscence. Um, and it's featuring Pek Jiang. <laughs> Sarah, 
um, Nissan, I want to mention, um, like I was telling the other guys, I think uh, they were probably my favorite and probably the best, like straight up boom bap rappers mm. um, in Korea. Um, I mean, of course, Nissan is more of a producer, but he also made great beats. And uh, and Gary, of course, is widely known for having a very difficult, having a very have a style that's very very difficult to. Uh, Imitate. to imitate mm. um, because he has a very syncopated way of doing things and I have of course a lot of mad respect for them also not only for being successful but also for being very creative in their and, and with their lyrics even though they do not reference or use English almost at all um, and then the hot new release I would like to introduce to you that came out I think last week was Urban Zacapa's new single which is incredibly tar- like hard to translate. I guess like then me, then us. It makes more sense when you're saying then us, like or us then. Oh, oh us then. Uh, so me then, which doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. and us then. So like sure, sure, yeah, something like that. Urban Zacapa, although Ballad has essentially kind of died, um, I guess in terms of the fo- like the the fork in the road, they they lean a little more towards R and B to a certain extent. Mm. Um, I might say that some of you might know them as as the trio that they are now, but they used to be actually like a seven piece band, mm. um, and they're. They're their success. They're they have mainstream success, but they're actually like they're indie roots. They're actually started off as yeah, like a bunch of musicians. Yeah, I was kind of indie. Yeah. Um, and I'm really proud of them because they consistently make good music. Mm. And although they have like a very urban Zacapa style to them that might seem a little repetitive on some occasion, they'll switch it up. Like they they put out, um, like uh, I think that song was like Thursday afternoon or something. I mean, they put they don't they'll they'll switch up the their style just a little bit while while having their own sort of thing to it. Mm-hmm. So that's why well, that's what I appreciate it about them for sure. But yeah, I like this one that they put out recently. So do check that out. Um, that's my hot new release. Great. Um, yeah, for mine, in case you missed it, uh, I wasn't sure what to pick, but there are a couple of rappers that I just go back to. And mm-hmm. so Crucial, Crucial Star um, from... Um, yeah, one of his earlier albums this is like one of my favorite songs. I actually got tired of it for a while because it was my alarm. <laughs> Never do that. <laughs> the song you really like gets ruins it real fast. But I, uh, it's been enough time. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, his uh, song "Savage Punkak" or Four Seasons Vacation. Love that song. <laughs> Um, and then for my hot new release, uh, Swings, 
has a new song out mm-hmm. called Clock Out featuring Jay Park and Kush. I'm going home, I'm going home. What I really like about this song is that um, it's produced by Iowa, who is like oh, one of my favorite shoot, yeah, SoundCloud. SoundCloud producers. Actually, he's been doing a lot of quote-unquote mainstream yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. He uh, produced one of the songs of Verbal Gents' last album mm-hmm. so that I actually liked. So yeah, go and listen to that as well and check out the music video. All right, so those are our picks of the week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, that wraps up the show for the week you can find each of our twitter handles and shoot us a message if you'd like shoot us a tweet um i'm sure sheena is probably a little more entertaining on on, <laughs> on twitter because honestly my twitter is like dormant yeah. most of the time i don't tweet too much but i'm following sheena and i'm, ha- I'm having fun so <laughs> yeah um and uh, you oh, can <laughs> of course go read sheena's stuff on soulrebels.com um and and find danny's stuff on uh korean indie Mm-hmm. Uh, KoreanD.com. Yep. Right. Okay. And uh, you can find Arsh, Denny, and uh, me um, DJing on K Sound on WNUR. You can listen to us at K Sound uh, or WNUR.org through the pop-up um, live stream, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Saturdays, ten to twelve. Um, Central and time. Central time, and Fridays, noon to two, uh, every other week. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we have a couple shows left before winter, so snag um, snag a, a live listen before mm-hmm. before the quarter's over. You can find K Sound on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching K Sound on WNUR. Thanks, and see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>